Welcome to Park Ave Baptist Church Podcast, a weekly broadcast of our Sunday sermon. I'm Darcy Jarrett, pastor of worship, advocacy, and arts. I'm Himra Chenault, pastor of community engagement and stewardship. And I'm Lanta Carroll, interim pastor of Families in Formation. Park Ave is a bold, inclusive, and creative community where everyone is welcome. We uplift voices and identities that are marginalized elsewhere. We affirm all ethnicities, racial identities, ages, socioeconomic groups, gender identities, and sexual orientations. Because we hold to a theology that refuses to other anyone. At Park Avenue, our leadership model is non-hierarchical. And we practice an open pulpit. Where you will hear a multiplicity of theologically trained voices from different backgrounds, and social locations. We don't just preach and talk about deconstructing systems and structures of power. We We practice it. Through this podcast, we hope you will be inspired, encouraged, and challenged. Listen Listen with with us now. The name of the patriarchs and the site of the crucifixion, the wailing wall, the sea of Galilee, the place where Jesus multiplied the two fish and the five loaves of bread, so many other important locations. But I also saw demolished Palestinian homes in East Jerusalem, tear gas protesters in Bethlehem, and 14-year-old minors in military court for graffiti or for throwing rocks. I met with, I had to meet a 13-year-old activist from the village of Hanabisale, at 13 years old, her mother had been shot twice. Her father had been arrested more than a dozen times. And her brother was currently in military prison and had been beaten by IDF soldiers. This 13-year-old girl asked a group of African-American clergy who were in her home not for offering or for donation or for uh, any other type of monetary help or support. She didn't ask for anything that we could give her in that moment. She asked for us to take their stories back with us so that others could know what was happening. I learned about night raids performed by the military soldiers. This is when they wait until between 1 and 3 a.m. to raid homes and detain men and young boys without call, sometimes taking them away for weeks with no information or instructions given to the family. That same year, in the month of May, when the children were in school and writing exams, there were 16 night raids in the small village of Nablus. The worst part, I was told, was that you don't know where your loved ones are when they are taken. I visited the military courts and had the opportunity to speak with concerned families and parents who were there to get information about their loved ones. I met a man and his wife whose son was arrested at 3 a.m. He was up for morning prayers. And he heard a noise and discovered that nearly 50 soldiers surrounded the house. The soldiers made their father wake his son, who they then blindfolded and detained. The father was summoned to the police station the next morning and instructed to bring his other children. His sons were 13, 
15 and 17. A week later, the father discovered that his permit, which permitted him to travel outside of his territory for work, had been canceled. There are 10 people in my home, he says, and I can't go to work to take care of them. His son had been detained for two months, and no one knew the accusation. His house had been raided more than 50 times. Another woman is there for her 14-year-old son who was arrested while going to pick olives. They stripped him and beat him and dragged him through the fields saying he was guilty of throwing stones. Another young woman was hoping to see her 15-year-old brother who was taken from their home. And for 35 days, they had no idea where he was. They woke up to see soldiers pointing guns in their faces and dogs in their homes. He was accused of throwing stones. The next day when I visited the city of Hebron, I was told two months earlier a woman tried to go through a checkpoint and the Israeli soldiers said she had a knife. She was shot 10 times. She laid in the streets for 25 minutes with no help. She was 18 years old. Many Palestinians I spoke with had begun to lose hope. And they begged those who were visitors to remember their stories. And indeed, these are stories that I will never forget. In 2009, in the 2009 TED Talk, Shalamanda Ngozi Adichie, a young Nigerian author spoke about the danger of a single story. She argues that inherent in the power of stories is a danger. And that's the danger of only knowing one story about a group. The single story creates stereotypes and the problem about stereotypes is not that they are untrue, but they are incomplete they make one story become the only story. I quickly realized that what I observed on the ground in Palestine is not the story that is told here in the United States. The prevailing national narrative is that Palestinians and generally all Middle East Muslims are terrorists or uh, are not good. In the U.S., it is generally understood that Israel is good, Palestine is bad, and it is usually referenced by media, uh, I'm sorry, it's usually reinforced by media uh, because they glorify the former and vilify the latter. Christians often travel to the Holy Land in droves each year to view holy sites and have their faith set on fire by the experience of walking in the footsteps of Jesus. While in the shadows of their sacred experience, an entire population of people is under military occupation and experiencing oppression. Amen. Dr. King pointed out that we are all made to live together because of the interrelated structure of reality. Mm -hmm. He pointed out that before you leave your house for work, you have had to depend on more than half the world. It really boils down to this, he says, that all life is interrelated. Mm -hmm. We are all 
caught in an inescapable network of mutuality, tied in a single garment of destiny. Whatever affects one directly affects all indirectly. Our scripture reading explains clearly that any love you have for God must be measured by your ability to love others. Mm-hmm. The text even conditions your love for God on your ability to love others. For we cannot love God whom we have not seen if we do not love others who we have seen. Our capacity to love God fails if we do not love each other. Simply put, you cannot be a Christian with hate in your heart. Amen. But this is not some grand revelation that is clearly, that is clearly concealed in the scripture or requires theological excavation and translation. This premise of interrelatedness was at the heart of Jesus' earthly ministry. And it is the foundation of our Christian faith. In fact, when an expert of the Jewish law asked Jesus about the path to eternal life, Jesus responded by saying, you must love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And the second is as important as the first. You must love your neighbor as yourself. Mm -hmm. Now, those instructions weren't powerful enough. Listen to how Jesus describes what a neighbor is. There was once a man who was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. He was likely returning from the temple from worship when robbers attacked him, stripped him, beat him, and left him for dead. It just so happened the priest was going down that road, but when he saw the man, he kept moving. In the same way, a Levite also came through and went over and looked at the man. And he passed on the other side. But a Samaritan who was traveling took care of him. It's a familiar story. So the neighbor in this story was someone who was likely from a different culture, from a different economic background, from a different religion, who was kind and generous and then came to aid a stranger that had been attacked and abandoned by church leadership. Hmm. And Jesus commands those listening to go and do as this neighbor has done. Go and be kind. Go and be generous. Go and love unconditionally. Go and see the good in those around you. Speak truth to power. Advocate for change. Help someone in need. Whatever affects one directly affects all indirectly. All life is interrelated. Yes, I should get involved when the city is closing homeless shelters. Yes, I should get involved uh, and I should be concerned when folks are being discriminated against because of who they love or how they love. Yes, I should be outraged that the U.S. will no longer oppose Israeli settlements in Palestinian territory. Yes, I should be concerned when injustice is happening, though it is not happening directly to me. We must come to be certain that our silence 
does not co-author a narrative that creates stereotypes, Amen. discriminates against those who are different, and oppress those in the margins. Our love for God must be on display through our lived experience with others every day. Amen. Every day, we have to live out our faith. It is not something uh, that just happens when we come together on Sunday. It is not something that just happens in the comfortable, um, walled sanctuaries that we worship in. It has to be something, because our, our Christian identity is inextricably connected to our ability to see the value in the people around us. You cannot be a Christian and not love the people who are around you. And so this is important when we talk about story, when we talk about narrative, we, it's important to know and to understand that we are in fact caught up in an inescapable network of mutuality. We all may have different roles to play, but we are all a part of the same story. I can't be what I need to be until you are what you ought to be. We are all tied together in a single garment of destiny. Black, white, Christian, Muslim, atheist, Palestinian, Israeli, Democrat, Republican. And I know it may be hard sometimes, especially that last one. We all share one creator who loves us all. And for all of us, the story is the same. That God sent not God's Son into the world to condemn the world, but that through that Son, the world might be saved. Amen. Wachimamanda talks about the danger of the single story. She's an artist and she would read a lot as a child in her small Nigerian village. But all the books that she read had characters who were white with blue eyes and blonde hair. So when she began to write her own stories, the characters resembled the stories that she had been exposed to. And as she was exposed, and as she encountered people who wondered and asked questions about why she wrote this way, she said she would never be, she would never allow a single story to influence uh, how she viewed the rest of the world. And so while there's a danger in one story being the influence for how we see the rest of the world. There's also a power in understanding the interrelatedness of all of our stories and how they fit a larger narrative of creation. How they serve a God who indiscriminately creates all of us. 
And so while there's a danger of understanding the world through one single story, there's also a power of understanding how all of our stories come together. How God loves us all, how God has created us all, and how God expects us all to work to build a better world, not just for ourselves, but for each and every person that we are connected to, whether they are across the street or whether they are across the ocean. And so the one thing that I believe God wants us to never forget is that we are connected in this network of mutuality, tied together in a single garment of destiny. What affects one directly affects us all indirectly. This is important to know, not just for your family, not just for your church, not just for the community where you live, um, but it's important for us to know uh, beyond the borders and boundaries of our comfort zones. Amen. Beyond what is familiar, beyond what uh, we can handle. And so the next time you hear that difficult story, that difficult reality that doesn't affect you, that you may not even really know what it's all about. When we start talking about Palestine, that can be a complex subject. A lot of people don't want to go there. It's an important narrative. It's an important narrative because we tell the story one way on this side of the world. It's a lot different than what's actually happening in Palestine. And so I want to thank you all for allowing me this opportunity. Uh, I've got to be honest with you, this isn't usually a sermon that uh, I would preach. Uh, but when I talk to Darcy, and she, uh, she knows that I traveled to Palestine, she really asked me to speak about the stories. The stories that impacted me on that journey, the stories uh, of the individuals. And they asked us while we were there. They didn't say, when are you coming back? Um, they didn't say, bring us, you know, some of those great American truths and novelties. to remember our stories. Tell our stories. People have got to know us. Amen. Um, so thank you again. Thank you, Manta. Thank you all for having us today. Um, and I think we're going to move now into a, a moment of reflection. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Park Avenue Baptist Church podcast. If you'd like to worship with us in person, our services are Sunday mornings at 10 a.m.-ish. We are at 486 Park Ave in Southeast Atlanta, across the street from Grant Park, at the corner of Park Ave and Sydney Street. To find out more about us or get in touch, visit our website at parkavebaptist.com. Now go into the world that is too often unjust. Knowing that the God who created you loves you and empowers you. To love boldly. Live inclusively. And to serve creatively. Amen. Amen.